Within three years of release, two out of three ex-offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon. Hello and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon podcast with me, your host, Michi J. Have you ever wondered how a female could end up living a life of crime? Today's guest, Minister Naomi Jackson, will tell us all about how she came to be in a Chicago gang and then on to jail. And this is all in spite of her growing up in a well-to-do home. I'll share my chat with Minister Jackson in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you need a pardon? Before you check out, let me clarify. A pardon is simply the action of forgiving or being forgiven for an offense. Do you wish someone will forgive you for the damage you've done? Or do you want to get rid of all the frustration and anger that you've been feeling so that you can have a peace of mind? Let's be real. We all need that type of grace at some point. In Luke 637, it says, pardon and you will be pardoned. And that is true indeed. That's why I've designed something special to help you find peace and comfort. I call it soul therapy. A prisoner's pardon is hosting the 21 day pardon challenge for 21 faithful days. You will renew your mind, unpack the word of God and fellowship with other survivors. This is all in a private setting. The challenge kicks off on September 12th to get all the details head on over to prisonerspardon.com slash pardon challenge. That's prisonerspardon.com slash pardon challenge. I can't wait to see you there. Now on to my interview with Minister Jackson. Welcome here, Minister. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Good morning and God bless you. Wow. I am so happy to have you here because you have such a wealth of information and we want you to um, just share your story. Could you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to prison? Because a lot of times we, you know, we don't understand how females um, get caught up into the system. Um, Were you, did you say at one time that you were in a gang or how did that, how did that come about? You know, we, we need to understand how women get caught up into that. We, we tend to see it more with men, you know, young boys or whatever, but how, how did that happen for you? Well, I decided to sell drugs mm-hmm. uh, and because I had a cocaine habit so bad, I would let other drug dealers come in my house and sell their drugs. And all they had to do was give me some drugs to do that. Okay. And my house got raided. And so by me being the the person renting the house, I went to jail for dwelling of a controlled substance. That's what it was called back then. Um, dwelling of a controlled substance. Now, when I went to court to see Judge Webb, um, I had told him that I was extremely addicted to um, cocaine and I needed some help. So uh, he had recommended that I go to school and that I see, uh, I had to go see a psychiatrist, psychiatrist because he said that my man was all over the place when I was in the courtroom. So he sent me there for doing treatment. And what then did you, I I'm to, sorry. What did you say? Your what was there? 
Your, he said my man was like all over the place. Your, ma- your mind. I, oh, okay. Your my mind. mind was all over the place because of the drug use. Right. So he wanted me to go see a, a psych first. Then he had recommended me to go to ALDA treatment. Okay. Okay. So you went to jail, first of all, because you were using and the, the I'm just going to say the men were using you. A lot mm-hmm. of times women are going to jail because of through. Um, exactly. A man, a male. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because you probably you heard more about it than I have. And I think that's like a really good point. You know, uh, women, how they get in is, I mean, we normally hear about the male, but you as a female, it's it's like it seems like it's some sort of um, a link there that is coming through a male that trying to please a male, trying to. you know, uh, if you have a drug habit, that is very easy to do, you know, get involved in. So what what are your feelings about that? Well, Miss Michelle, um, I was molested at a very young age, at the age of six, by my sister's boyfriend. Okay. Um, and so growing up feeling with low self-esteem and low self-work, I, I used to be an A student. And I, I kept my grades up in grade in grammar school, and I, I kept them up in in um, high school. But I got pregnant at the age of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then after I had my child, two years later, I ran into a guy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had told me all these wonderful things oh, that I wanted to don't, hear somebody don't say. <laughs> Don't they say it? Oh, okay. you so pretty. <laughs> oh, this. Oh, I would give you the world. And I was like, I got a child. And he was like, I'll take care of your child. Oh, and, and, and I was in church all my life. Mm-hmm. So I had never seen what the streets look like. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't, I wasn't one of those young ladies that was out here know about the streets and no street language and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. I was so Done when he came to the streets, and I'm saying that because mm-hmm. you know you hear a lot of people say they grew up in church and mm-hmm. now, but they went. But this, this, this is a. Uh, I grew up in church, but this is all I knew. Yeah. And so you uh, weren't ready. When, he just he he just had yeah, an easy an easy victim. He these, okay. He had these muscle bound muscles, and he was built like okay. A, Don't the so, enemy come in looking good? But anyway. <laughs> And he was so handsome and he had light brown eyes and I was just like, whoa, he want me? This got to be a blessing because he wants me. He wants somebody little like me. I, I was like, um, I was like a size, like a three, four. So I was real skinny. Mm-hmm. I always have been skinny majority of my life. This was before I started using drugs. Now I'm going to get into the story. So one day... He just started, his money started disappearing. Oh, sorry. And I, I said, I said, I said, I said, quit ain't brand no work check come Friday. You know, because normally he give me money and mm-hmm. and I had a young baby. So all I, I was doing was buying pampers and, and shoes and made buy me an outfit. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, still young minded. Mm-hmm. And so I kept on saying, so one day, I was at the grocery store in Chicago called One Stop. I'm from the low end of Chicago. Where is that? I'm, I, okay, I'm from Chicago, so I'm trying to see exactly where it at. 
where that that's is. That's our 43rd and Lake Park, right on the south side. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm from the west yeah. side. So it's oh, like, okay. 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 All right. I'll, I'll so, get out. Mm-hmm. And so he said, uh, so one day, so I was at the grocery store getting some formula. And I'd see one of the guys that was on the next block on, on Berkeley. And he was like, um, you know, your boyfriend in my house getting high. So I'm like, huh? Because it was a new life. I never heard of that before. I never even seen cocaine before. So, so I, I don't know what he's talking about. You so don't, he don't even tell you this, right? So you didn't even yeah, know he was on yeah. drugs. Okay. He, he was hiding the fact that he was a user. They use, they hide. He, he didn't okay. let me know. He was just, you know, I was just wondering, I had started wondering, like, where's this money going? Uh-huh. You know, because he's not coming in with the full amount of check that he should have. And it was like $40, $50. It was this small amount, a little bit started off missing, just like okay. un, unanswered for. Oh, and, okay. and so, uh, so I walked down there. I said, let me go see what Clint at, and why is he in this house? My mind, now here I go thinking, He's cheating on me because I have had that happen to me. So I was like, I'm not going to let no another man cheat on me. You know, so I walked down there being goofy. I knocked on the door. So his sister answered the door. She was like, oh, you looking? You must be looking for I was like, yes, is he here? She was like, yeah, he's upstairs. I go upstairs. This man is upstairs. You're not. <laughs> so I say, this is what you're doing uh, with your money. So. Now he got to try to please me to get in or whatever. So I leave. I did, I was upset. I was crying and stuff because I don't know what's going on in here. I don't. I, all I know is people doing stuff, and I have never seen this stuff before. Right. The mm-hmm. thing I know. Why did he? I end up letting him put me on drugs. Okay, stop. Let's stop there a little bit first. Want to say that the enemy comes in looking good, and he will hide stuff for him from you that. And um, did you come from a, a, a fatherless home, a broken home somewhere? You did say no, you were, my oh. mother, my mother and father both that, were married. That's I good. Got, all last... of us got the same. All of us got the same mother and father. Okay, that's um, good. That's that's really unusual. So um, we were molested. So you had low self esteem, and then he was able to utilize that and to uh, be able to hide things from you, and which is the first sign you, when stuff started not making sense is like stuff was missing. You didn't know where his money was going. So that's a sure enough sign when someone is on drugs that they can't explain where their money is going. So then, so you, you, you're upset. You don't know what's going on. I've, I've heard it a lot. And then you don't, you can't even process it. And then you get attracted to the drugs. So why did you? Why do you think you got? Because I was saying, because I was saying, like it's best if he get out with me and stay with me, than for him to be over there with those girls and stuff, getting high when he could be at home doing it. Right. Okay. Yeah, they do that. Okay. Okay. Well, that, yeah. that I can I can see that um, way of thinking because you you're just so probably grateful he wasn't cheating or you didn't want him to cheat right. that felt like worser than him doing the drug itself right because i was like oh that's what you're doing okay you could do that at home oh okay. you know so you don't have to you don't have to be in this house with these people mm-hmm. you know um <laughs> you know you don't have to be in here you know so i just wanted him to be with me you ain't at work okay be at home dog you don't have to be out here like in here you know out here like 
you know, because I don't, I feel like I said, I feel was, uh, I have never, so I remind, I got to remind you that I, I have never seen this before. I have never of seen course. You, a person you, that's all addicted to drugs. So, mm-hmm. but all I'm saying is, it's best if you be at home, at least if something happened, I can wash over you. Mm-hmm. So one day he was like, um, he actually was um, in the in the bathroom getting hot and I happened to go up in there. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I was sitting at this time, I had started drinking. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there drinking uh, me some Bacardi rum and some Coke and um, getting my hair did. So mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to go in this bathroom and see what he's doing. So I got up to go see what he's doing. And he was like, you want to try it? So I was like, sure, no problem. I mean, because I didn't see him freaking out or acting weird. So I'm just like, okay. So the first time I tried it, it didn't do anything. So I was like, you waste your money on something that can't get you. At least I'm drinking and I can feel my drugs. <laughs> you wasting your money. Okay. So sometimes I would do it with him. And then sometimes I was like, I'm cool on that. You know, um, and then I would do it sometimes. And then sometimes I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so this went off about three years, three or four years. I never had spent a dollar on it because I thought like this is a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that this pretty soon is going to have a grip on my life like it did. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's called like a slippery, a slippery slope. But um, yeah. it's very, very false flags going up. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I never did think that that was going to do that. Mm-hmm. But okay, so around about two years of doing this in our social um, experiment that I, I call it social because I wasn't like doing it every day and nothing like that. It was just a spare in the moment thing. Like I would do it because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Or if wasn't nobody coming by the house, I, I he could do it all day by himself. I didn't care because, you know, that to me, it seemed like it's a waste of money <laughs> as I was concerned. So one day, um, my father worked at, uh, my father was a, a war warrior. Oh. And um, he worked it when he got out of war. He worked it for to be. Uh, he was one of the number one people for the railroads mm-hmm. down uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So he built the tracks right. So mm-hmm. uh, my father died when I was four months old, and his oh. I, he died and had a massive heart attack. So my mother never remarried, and. So um, he wasn't in your life. Your father wasn't. Mm-mm. I was. I was four months old when he passed. Okay. Okay. At first, I thought he wasn't. Okay. That is starting to make more, you know, sense. Yeah. Go ahead. So okay. when I um he he passed away like April fourth of nineteen sixty eight. I was born December 11, nineteen sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I I have known uh all our siblings. We always have known that how a relationship should look like. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, I get, I was getting a dis- uh, check from my father for retirement every month on the third mm-hmm. um, because I was still in school and this, uh, this check would help take care of my, take care of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, my mother gave me the check. And so I wasn't feeling well that day. And um, I put the money in my top drawer and I said, well, I'll go to the store the next day to get my um, baby's gym shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. He took, he stole my money. So when he did that and he had started stealing, now I got a problem. 
because we was raised not to take and not to steal and not to lie. And I was just so done with that. I was getting upset because now you steal it from me and you supposed to be my boyfriend. I supposed to be able to trust you and you trust me. So why are you stealing from me just mm-hmm. to get this stuff? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that when our relationship started going down. Okay. And that was the moment when I said, since people want to steal from me, I might as well smoke up my own money, drink up my own money. And that's when that started happening. That's when the first sign of me started spending money on it was my first sign that I was getting um, addicted to these drugs and these things because once he started taking from me, I felt so violated. Like you didn't have to, and it felt like the same kind of pain when I got molested. And so again, here's somebody's taking something from me mm-hmm. that I did not get them permission to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, and so, it, but you wanted to stay with him. Still, I was willing to stay with him. Okay, and after he did that, that few weeks later, we broke up. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother jumped on him and he left and it was gone. It was over after that. But now here I am, got this addiction going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he left um, you a little present. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Messed up my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he messed up my life and walked out the door, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I uh, used from probably the age of 18 to the age of 33. Mm-hmm. I stopped using 20 years ago. Congratulations. Um, got my life back on track. Um, and that then is I turned great. I mm-hmm. turned around. Mm-hmm. And this is when I had a passion to go and, and, and serve women. Sort of like a Harriet Tubman uh, <laughs> thing when she went back to go get the other slaves from out of their bondage. Um, so what... You, I, that is, you know, it's not many, it's so, we don't hear a lot of that. And so first off, I want to congratulate you on that. Now, that is so easy to get into, you know, hearing your story. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of females, you know, can recognize these flags that went up that in your story, in their own lives. Or if it haven't happened, uh, please watch out for these sort of flags. Now, I know you, you said you ran with gangs, right? Were you involved with gangs? Yeah. How did yeah, that happen? Then? <laughs> well, my mother has my mother, lovely as she was, my mother didn't allow us to go past the corner. Mm-hmm. So uh, she had started dating this guy. And um, so they would go out on their dates. And this is when I broke the curfew laws. <laughs> I would sneak out the house and I would go past the corner. And we had a gang room. And, you know, back then, game rooms were very popular in Chicago. They had a big one downtown. It was very popular. Yeah. And so I would go hang out the game room. And that's how I met um, my my first child's father. His family owned the game room that I was going to. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I, went, I hung out with his sister and another friend of mine from my childhood. And we just started outside. Now we're gang members. Um, we are disciple queens. And, and now we're fighting and we're tearing up the community. And we're doing all this other extra stuff. Now, this happened before. Before I started using drugs, this happened when I was 15, 16, and 17. Mind you, I was still in church every Sunday. (laughs) Girl, you are funny. Now, so um, (laughs) 
You were in the gang from what period to what period? To the age um, 16 and 17. Okay. I was, it was a very short. I had started hanging with them when I was 15, but I didn't get active because when they would do stuff, I'd be like, I'm going to go home. Because I had, <laughs> Uh uh-uh. uh, I, I was I was one of the quietest kids ever, and I just like, oh, y'all finna go beat up somebody? Oh, uh uh-uh. uh, I'm finna go home. <laughs> wow. So, cause I, I I was I was okay. So I'm the baby in my family. Uh-huh. So all my siblings is like twenty something years older than I am. Wow. So okay. I didn't have no young people to play with, you know, but the kids on my block. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I see. Yeah, so that was that the reason why I think my appetite to go past the corner was so important. I had to taste what it tasted like mm-hmm. uh, because I ain't have anybody. I played with dolls until I was 15 years old. I wore um, pigtails with virus in my hair until I was 15. You mm-hmm. know, so I didn't grow up fast. Okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up fast at all. And I'm telling you, my mother kept me a baby as long as she could. That's good because you you had some uh, boundaries, um, internal boundaries that stopped you from going further than that. Okay, now that makes sense. So, how long were you in jail, and where where were you at? Oh, I was here in Milwaukee. Okay, so what? So wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to take it back. Let's go back for a minute, Michelle, because I did go to jail in Chicago in 1987. Okay. And you know, on 2600 um, California. Oh, yeah. I know. Now, um, at the county jail. But yeah. well, we, our house got raided um, there. And so I happened to be in the house. And um, at this time, I, I were using. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, but they, they locked, they locked, um, locked me up. And, but the good thing about that was that that was my first case. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also they had night court in Chicago. Here mm-hmm. they don't have that. So you like you get locked up, you may be in downtown for a year before they before you go to court. <laughs> but in Chicago, they they gonna get your time and be done. Mm-hmm. So the judge gave me a slap on the wrist because it was my first time. And okay. um and I I got out the very next day, like I went to court that night and that daylight came, they let me out. Okay. So I, I didn't I didn't go back to jail no more up there in Chicago. Now moving to Milwaukee. It wasn't an easy decision because I'm because all our family is in Chicago. But what had happened was um December thirty first, nineteen ninety-one, my daughter died. And oh, that's what moved me to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really, I thought that prison was designed to help you get coping skills so you won't come back mm-hmm. through those doors, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't uh I didn't participate, so I didn't get really get anything out because I didn't put anything in. All I was thinking about is I can't wait to get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. and for a little while. And then all of a sudden, uh, women would start flocking to me wherever I was sitting there or if I came by myself, and they always wanted to talk to me. And so I started talking to them, and then I started going to Bible study. That the church would come out, and you know what's crazy is the only visitors I had was the church people. Nobody that I I, I went to jail with on the streets for to sell those drugs. They didn't come and visit me. They didn't put a dollar on my books. Of so I had the most. <laughs> I had the most, and I'm thinking, you know, it's it's funny though, but you think I'm thinking family. like okay. <laughs> 
if I open up my house to you and I allow you to make tens of thousands of dollars at my house, you would think, well, let me go put $100 on her books because she ain't got commissary. <laughs> nope. Nope. I stopped in there. <laughs> um, wow, and it yeah. was, and I think the second time was a wake up call. Because mm-hmm. the first time I got a slap on the wrist. And I was like, uh, I can do this. Oh, y'all talking about go to court one day and I get out. Okay, that's fine. I can do that. So I got back out because I didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. So I went back doing the same thing that took me to send me there the first time. You mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the slap, think, the slap on the wrist didn't help. Okay. No, they didn't do nothing. Okay. They didn't do nothing. Because you got to think about it. I was in, so I went down there. They processed me in downtown in Chicago. And then it was like, okay, you want a night court at five o'clock or you going to night court at seven. Okay. So when I got the night court, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You know, <laughs> and I got a slap on the wrist. Okay. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't no next time because by this time I had got, um, with, I, I moved and, um, went back home to my mother. My mother had a three flat building. And I moved upstairs in one of her uh one of her apartments up there and I, I started doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And I would only do it because I knew my mother was downstairs and I had so much love and respect for my mother. I would wait till she go to sleep and she was always a hard sleeper. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I had a chance to come down and open up the door and let people come upstairs and we get high, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and but I never sold any drugs at a house because I never want a house to get taken. Because now at this point, I know about raids because I just had got we just got into a raid and mm-hmm. we had to move out. So I didn't want my mother to lose her property because of me trying to get hat or you know or being so rudely and disrespectful mm-hmm. um, and just take advantage of you know. So I didn't want to cause my mother any type of burden like that because I I never wanted to hurt my mother hard like that. That is great. I'm glad about I'm glad to hear that. So you went to so the first time was just only a slap on the wrist and that didn't motivate you to stop. You had women just gravitate toward you. And yeah when I went to jail here in Chicago and Milwaukee okay. and I got ready. This is when I started thinking about you know, because at this time, I, at first I was angry because I was in there. And then the second day was a uh, majority of those first five days was uh, I was having withdrawals. I was shaking because mm-hmm. you guys remember I was smoking like at least about an ounce of cocaine every other day, probably. It was wow. uh, consuming a lot and drinking a lot. A lot of money. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 and yeah. And by me hustling, I didn't come out. I had to pay a dollar out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> the drugs was free. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But how many of us know that when something is free, you might want to be careful with that. Because <laughs> okay. every, everything that's good, that's, that, that's, that's free, is good for you. Okay. So, it, okay. So it was free because they were using your house. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I yeah, okay. and I didn't think anything again. You know, being goofy, I didn't think that girl. You know what? You can lose everything. You know, you can lose your kids in the process of this. Did oh, you know yeah. that you can lose this? You know, I I just never thought. I just yeah. never thought that plan all the way out. Okay. <laughs> I know yeah. Must be here and now. Okay. This was pretty good today. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, you know, because yeah. by this time, by this time, you know, anxiety levels are up. And you're not really worrying about nothing because, and my kids, people that came to 
come to my house. They didn't even know I had two jobs. At that time, I had two children. They didn't even know I had kids because my kids are so well-respected and they always stayed in that room and they always, you know, they always were so quiet and very um, manable. I, I didn't, you know, they went buck wild. They, were, they, they always was in the house with me. Okay. So, uh, so that, that's when no problem right there. Now, I probably was playing the seed for them to be angry at me, seem as though that I was allowing these people to come in their house, come yeah. in their house and do this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's but pretty dangerous. I didn't know, yeah. Right, I didn't know, and I didn't know how dangerous this could be, you know, what mm-hmm. if the police kick your door in. I didn't even think about any of that stuff. All I was thinking about was the here and now. Right now we're getting hot. So that's what it is. I bet you can't wait to hear the second part of this interview. Our minister Jackson is telling it like it is. Stay tuned next week on Monday to hear the rest of this amazing interview. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonerspardon.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.